Amen. Well, good morning. I want to uh, add my welcome to those of you who are new here today. My name is Alex. Really, really glad that you're joining us for the first time, uh, especially if this is your first time ever or first time in a long time, whether in person or online. Welcome, welcome, welcome. What we're all about here is connecting, connecting people to God, connecting people to each other, engaging our world for good. We hope you experience a little bit of all those things here this morning. This is week five of our series called Living Supernaturally. We're pressing into an area that's new or unfamiliar to many of us here. What does it mean for us to live the way that God intended us to, to live supernaturally? Uh, the very first week we looked at what was likely Jesus' first recorded teaching where he said he'd been anointed to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's just like one 12-month period. That's like an era to inaugurate a whole kingdom where God's favor is perpetually available to all of us, wouldn't the year of the Lord's favor be a great description of your 2023? That is, is the year of the Lord's favor here in your life. He said he'd been anointed to live supernaturally, but then he goes on to describe very earthy things. We're talking about just good news to the poor, uh, setting prisoners free, sight to the blind. See, everywhere Jesus goes, the way he's living and talking and teaching, it's like there's the natural world and the supernatural world, and they were meant to be co-joined twins, like integrated together. And they've been ripped apart, and they weren't supposed to be ripped apart. And so everywhere Jesus goes, he's reintegrating the natural and the supernatural. He's bringing God's grace, God's mercy, God's truth, God's wisdom. And he's healing things that are broken. Healing broken hearts, broken minds, broken spirits, broken legs, broken eyes, broken ears. And then he gives us that same Holy Spirit. He says, I want you to go and live supernaturally. Living supernaturally is just this. Just, this is our working definition. Reintegrating the resources of God, life with God, God's grace, God's power, God's mercy, God's justice, God's wisdom into everyday life, everyday kind of realities that we face, whether that's marriage problems, kid problems, uh, job decisions, anything that you're up against. The Lord wants to bring his resources to bear to help you live supernaturally. Now, We've had so many great conversations over the last few weeks with the series and small groups and all around. And what we're going to do next week is uh, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to look at a passage of scripture that talks about spiritual gifts, all kinds of spiritual gifts. Everyone's invited. We all got them. And we're going to talk about the, the, the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to talk about that briefly. And then we're going to have a time, an extended time of prayer right here in this room where we're going to invite you to go and get uh, prayer for a fresh work of the Spirit in your life. That could be fresh filling, fresh anointing. That could be comfort where you are struggling that could be uh help in an area where you're really hurting that could be a place where you need god's grace or mercy to move in your life it could be uh, i have this gift but i don't know what to do with it or i'm not sure what my spiritual gifts are or it could be i need a gift that i don't have a spiritual gift that i don't have i'm just asking for the spirit to give me the ability to do something new grow something new in me so we're going to spend some extended time sort of opening ourselves up for the spirit to move and our, our phrase around this a mantra around this is uh, expectation without agenda expectation we're going to ask for the spirit to move without an agenda we're not going to dictate how that's going to play out or what's going to happen it could be a year from now a couple of you look back and say when i got prayer that one day that really changed things that are totally different 12 months later a year later five years later so expectation without agenda we're going to ask the spirit to move and we're going to do it and i've been praying for this in an extra way this past week i started getting up uh early to double my time in prayer let me tell you what i love sleep it's like one of my spiritual gifts sleep I don't mean to brag, I'm pretty good at it. I'm a really good sleeper. One of my gifts. I mean, I can, I can go sleep anywhere, drop down, pop back up. It's like, it, it is a spiritual gift I have. I love sleep, but I'm giving up something good for the sake of something better. I'm asking the Lord to move here, to meet us here, to move, meet us here in this church. And this, I want to invite you to join me this week if, you, if you're so inclined to give up something good for the sake of the Spirit meeting us here this, this next Sunday in a particular way. I want to invite you to join me in sort of opening that up and seeing if God might move in a particular way. Now, 
Today, we're going to talk a little bit about like how do we create conditions for the spiritual life to happen, right? Because uh, as we talk about sort of living supernaturally, the question is like, how do you do this? How does this happen? And almost all of us who have been Christians for some period of time have had a point in our lives where we ask God to do something, he didn't show up. At least not the way we thought he would, right? Healing for a family member, a friend, saving something, someone, a friend of ours, marriages, our old marriages, like, right, there's been challenges. So what do we do when nothing happens, when it doesn't work? Or are there conditions that help us, right, to, to help us to, make things like work to facilitate the, the supernatural life happening along the way. Here's, I want to I continue to encourage us to have a learning posture on this, a practicing posture, right? Because I want you to think of any skill that you have in your life, any skill that you can do, whether it's typing or uh, growing vegetables or computer programming or open heart surgery, any skill you have, you had to learn it, right? You got proficient in it through practice through maybe some study, through some experience, through entering in. There's practice. So I want to encourage us to have sort of a, a, an open-hearted experience because what happens when God doesn't show up is we kind of shut down sometimes, right? Like, well, I'll, I'll still sort of walk with the Lord. I'll still pray. Maybe, I'll, maybe you walked away from the Lord for a while, but maybe some of us kind of hang on and we kind of shut down hoping for the supernatural life. What I want to do is I want to invite us into a space where we're just a little more open to seeing what if, what if, what if you could create conditions for the supernatural life to happen. We're gonna to talk today about greenhousing for living supernaturally, right? A greenhouse doesn't make anything grow. A greenhouse does not make anything grow. A greenhouse just creates conditions ideal for growth, right? So can you build a greenhouse, assuming God wants to do supernatural things in us and in our lives in some way, shape, or form, right? And all the different expressions. We're gonna talk about greenhousing for the supernatural life. How might we create conditions that are ideal for living supernaturally? Are there, are there things that we can do, steps that we can take that might sort of create an environment spiritually for us in our own lives and maybe even kind of in the world around us or in the, the, the people we're praying for, the situations we're engaging with that might facilitate us experiencing and living supernaturally. Let's just assume God wants to do something in us and through us in these ways. And again, we're all learning. This is brand new for most of us, right? So how might we live supernaturally? Now, I read a, uh, I read a really interesting book about nine months ago last spring, uh, called Miracle Work. And uh, it was a very interesting book, and it kind of stretched me in some really good ways. And um, I've been sort of experimenting with it for like the last nine months, and it says some things that we sit and say, and there's some things about it that I'm not always quite sure I agree with, but I think the an overall framework is actually really helpful. So I'm gonna walk through uh, most, of the pan most of the things in, in, in Miracle Work in a way that I think help will help us to sort of enter into sort of living supernaturally and sort of experiencing the supernatural in some way, shape, or form. That's earthy and practical, like some things that we can actually do. Now, nothing works all the time, right? God's not a vending machine. There's always mystery. We don't manipulate or manufacture like supernatural things. We just cooperate with supernatural things, right? We just, we, uh, we get in step with and in line with supernatural things. So this is, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of trot out a few things. Okay, so we're gonna build our greenhouse today. Okay, we're gonna build our greenhouse today. I'm gonna talk about a frame. A kind of, we're gonna frame up the greenhouse and there's gonna be four panels I'm gonna kind of give you for your greenhouse, right? Four panels for your greenhouse and an overall frame to kind of hold the thing together, okay? So the frame for framing up your greenhouse for living supernaturally is this. Patience, patience, patience. Because sometimes, all the time, it's a process. We're going to look at a bunch of different scriptures today, kind of a little bit different today. And here, the first passage we're going to look at is Mark chapter 8. And this is a great story that helps us to see how sometimes it's a process. Here's Mark 8, starting in verse 22. Jesus and his disciples came to Bethsaida. Some people brought a, brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. 
When he had spit on the man's eyes and put his hands on him, Jesus asked, do you see anything? He looked up and said, I see people. They look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored. He saw everything clearly. Jesus sent him home saying, don't even go into the village. All right, so here you have the only story where Jesus takes two passes at something, right? It's called a progressive healing, right? First time, partial restoration of sight. Second time, full restoration of sight. Because sometimes it's a process. I was talking with a, a friend of mine who is very gifted in sort of healing ministry, prayer ministry. She's just really gifted in it. In part because she herself got healing prayer in her life that kind of helped her to heal. But her story was a very, very long process. She had significant trauma when she was a kid. And it started to surface in her life. She'd repressed it. It started to surface. And when it started to surface, she went and got prayer from a couple that she knew in Chapel Hill that she loved and knew her and that she knew was gifted in prayer. They prayed for her every week for three years. Three years. They moved away. Six months later, more memories started to surface. She had a friend in Illinois who also was sort of into kind of, these kind of this kind of prayer. She visited that, those friends in Illinois. She, she would go fly up four times a year for like a weekend for four and a half more years of praying before she was finally healed. Seven and a half years of getting really focused prayer in this particular area of her life. Framing up the greenhouse for a living supernaturally. Patience and persistence. Because sometimes it's a process. Sometimes seeing God move, seeing God work, it's a, it's a process. It takes multiple passes. That's the overarching frame, our posture, right? As we step into what does it mean to live supernaturally? How do we actually do this? But in looking at these various stories of Jesus and the disciples, there are some things that sort of uh, explain some things. There are some things that they do or some things that are present or absent. There's some, there's some things that times when uh, people can't heal, the disciples can't heal, or even Jesus can't do some things. And there's some why behind all that. So let's look at a little bit of some of these panels that we might kind of build in our own greenhouse as we're stepping into living supernaturally or all learning, all kind of taking our shot at this. And the first panel, panel number one for your greenhouse for living supernaturally is authority, spiritual authority. The first thing we see Jesus do in his own ministry, in his own life, is a story we'll look at more in depth in a couple of weeks. He gets baptized. He goes into the desert. He faces a series of temptations from Satan, like there's some head-to-head -head with Satan. At every turn, Jesus resists temptation, refuses to sort of cooperate with Satan, and then Luke Chapter 4, verse 1, quotes it and says exactly, here's, what, here's the result of that. Here's the fruit of that. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. What Jesus had done in obedience to God the Father released more power in him and through him. Obedience to God releases more authority in and through us. In fact, in Mark's account of Jesus' life, we get a baptism and then a short dip into the desert where Jesus is resisting temptation. And then he emerges out of the desert, and, and Mark records his first interaction with the crowds. He's teaching to a group of people, and the people are amazed. Here's what the people say about Jesus as he's fresh out of the temptation story, and as he's obedient to God the Father, says this. The people were also amazed. They asked each other, what is this? A new teaching. And with, what's that word? Authority. Teaching with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits, and they obey him. See, the people were amazed with Jesus' authority, not just when he cast out spirits. They were amazed because of the way he taught, 
because he's been obedient and faithful to God the Father, his teaching just hits a little bit differently. And then, of course, yeah, he can able to, he's able to cast out demons and impure spirits, and that, of course, verifies and validates all that he's doing as well. That authority, of course, comes from his identity. He's the son of God. But here's the thing. The scriptures say that Jesus is the perfectly obedient one. At every turn, Jesus obeys the Father. At every turn, Jesus is the faithful, obedient Son. He fights off temptation. He obeys the call of the Father. All the way to the cross, he obeys the Father. And at every turn, as Jesus obeys and follows the work of the Father, the Father grants him more and more authority. Sometimes when Jesus is doing a healing, he'll have people do weird stuff. You ever seen that before? Ever read those stories, right? He'll like tell them to go, like, go wash in a pool. He'll put mud on them, go wash in a pool, or go show the priest. And sometimes the healing doesn't happen until the people go, right? What is that? Every invitation into obedience is an invitation to more authority. Those people are, he's increasing the authority quotient in the healing. Those people are actually obeying, which increases their authority and the authority in the whole equation for the healing to actually happen. That's why Jesus invites some people into obedience as a part of their healing because our obedience releases more authority into the situation, into the problem. Here's the quote from Miracle Work. It says this, obedience to God increases our authority to wield his power. If you want more authority, seek opportunities for obedience. We put it this way a couple weeks ago. Every time God says go or God says no is an opportunity for you to live supernaturally, right? Every time God says go or God says no is an opportunity for you to grow in spiritual authority to live supernaturally. Panel one, building a greenhouse for living supernaturally. Authority, look for opportunities to obey. That includes active obedience and resisting, against, resisting temptation. Both those increase our authority and help us to live supernaturally. Now, another element we get in a number of these healing stories is uh, panel number two for, uh, for building our greenhouse, which is gifting, right? Gifting. We're going to talk about spiritual gifts more specifically next week, but in some ways, this is maybe some of the most uh, intuitive or familiar, right? If you've got a gift in a particular area, you're going to experience different levels of fruitfulness, different levels of joy, different levels of effectiveness, right? Whether that's, those are gifts of administration or gifts of mercy or hearing from the Lord, those kind of gifts are going to come up in different ways and different experiences. Now, if part of building the supernatural life, a greenhouse for supernatural life, is gifting, there's a couple of ways to go about either discovering your gifts or increasing your gifts, right? So I'm going to give you three things to do as a part of your gifting, right? That is to try it, pray for it, or borrow it from someone else. Try it, pray it, pray for it, or borrow it from someone else. First off, you don't know what your gifts are until you try. So try a bunch of stuff, try a bunch of stuff, try a bunch of stuff. See what God might do. If you have an inkling that you might have a gift in something or someplace that's bringing you some extra joy, some place where God seems to move in a particular way, keep trying it. Keep working out. Keep working that muscle. Keep developing it. Keep, like, talk to other folks who have that gift. Sort of grow from them. Let them mentor you. Read the scriptures for how that gift gets played out. Try it. Try it. Try it. But the only way you discover what you're good at is by trying a bunch of stuff. Listen, some of you have the gift of hearing from God in prayer. You just haven't shut up long enough to listen. Like, Maybe if you stop talking for just a beat, God will give you a scripture, word, image, prompt, nudge. You won't know until you try. Second thing you can do is to, is to pray for it. Paul in 1 Corinthians writes this, uh, eagerly desire the greater, the greater gifts. This invitation from 
uh, Paul is to sort of long for and even pray for, right, These, the gift that God might give you a certain gift in a particular way. Like, I'm in places all the times where I don't have gifts in those areas, and they, those gifts are needed. And so sometimes I'm like, God, I don't have a gift in this area, like, but I need, this person needs this, or the situation needs this, so would you just give me this gift, even just for this moment, even just for this situation, for this season, God, would you, would you give me a gift that I don't actually already have, just for this situation, this moment? That's a good prayer to pray. But there's a much easier and lazier way to do this, and that is to borrow it from someone else. Borrow it from someone else. I have uh, been so blessed to partner with uh, elders and uh, people on our prayer team to pray over people and for people. And one woman I enjoy uh, partnering with really well, uh, we will go and pray for someone, and she's got this great gift. Like, we'll, we'll, we'll often stop and do listening prayer. We'll kind of, uh, while we're, while after someone shares for a little bit, we'll pause and do some listening prayer. When, when we do listening prayer in that context, I almost never get anything. Like, I almost never get, like, a word or a scripture. But she gets words or scriptures or images, like, all the time. And so we'll pause and listen, and she'll be like, hey, I have a sense of the Lord saying this. Does this make sense? Or does this open up something? And oftentimes, the word of the scripture she gets unlocks the conversation we need to have, the thing we need to pray about, the thing we need to drill down into. It's exactly that thing. It's so awesome. I don't have that gift. She does. One of the gifts I have is uh, when someone's sharing or talking or processing about the, the mess in their lives or the hurt in their lives, the pain in their lives, sometimes they'll start, you know, they'll be talking about their experience, talk about the heartache, talk about the hurt, and they'll say something, a word or a phrase, and I'm like, wait, 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 go back to that. I want to talk more about that. What is that? Where did that come from? Let's drill down into that word. Let's drill down into that feeling. Let's drill down into that experience. Let's go down that. Sometimes that unlocks the thing we need to talk about, what we're going to talk about. The woman I pray with, she gets worse from the Lord. I don't get worse from the Lord. I just kind of hear what people are saying and kind of pick up on it. Frankly, I think her gifts are much cooler than mine. Amen? Like so much cooler, right? To actually hear like a word now. But, but you know what? The reality is this. And here's the thing. I have to push back that thinking. You know what, my, my friends? None of us have all the gifts. And you being jealous of someone else's gifts doesn't get you anywhere. Nor does it further the purposes of the body of Christ. And so when I get jealous of other people's much cooler gifts than mine... I have to relax, release, and rejoice. Thank you, God, that she's got that gift. Thank you I get to partner with her in that gift. Having a friend who's handy when you're not really handy is really handy. <laughs> Having a friend who hears from the Lord when you don't hear from the Lord, also really handy. Having a friend who has any gift that you don't have when you come up against a need for that gift and knowing what those gifts are, being aware of those gifts, and inviting those gifts to the table, also really handy. So as we're being patient in the process, as we're cultivating spiritual authority through our obedience, just doing what God invites us to do, panel number three for building a greenhouse with supernatural life is gifting. Try it, pray for it, borrow it from someone else who has it. There's a third element, that third panel, that is in play in many of the stories of Jesus, and that is the, uh, the panel number three we're going to talk about, which is uh, the panel of faith. We get several stories of this in Jesus' ministry as well as in the disciples, and lots of interactions talk about faith, and this one from Mark 6 is really interesting. Jesus left there, went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he's performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son, brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him in his hometown. 
Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown, among his relatives, in his own home. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. So the people's resistance to him, right? Their lack of faith is what gets emphasized here. They take offense at him. This is the thing, a barrier that creates, an, that's the anti-greenhouse, the un-greenhouse. It's the toxic space where Jesus, I, I mean, I, I imagine if Jesus really wanted to push through that, he could have, but the, the author here is emphasizing that there was, there was some cooperation required of faith required in order for Jesus to do the miracles he'd been doing elsewhere. And that the people's resistance to Jesus limited, was a limiting reagent, a limiting factor to what Jesus could do in that space. Now here's another story that illustrates the same principle, but the reverse is true, that maybe just maybe if you don't have a lot of faith, it's helpful to have friends who do. Here's Luke chapter 5. One day Jesus was teaching. Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee, from Judea and Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick, which makes the question, were there times that there wasn't the power of the Lord on Jesus to heal the sick? We don't really know. It doesn't ever say that explicitly, but it's interesting that Luke writes that. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him to the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles to the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, whose faith? Whose faith? He said, friends, friend, your sins are forgiven. And then Jesus goes on to heal the man. Now, my friends, Jesus, who was obviously a southerner, he loves the words y'all. He loves the word y'all. And what Jesus does, he looks at the situation, he's like, y'all got some serious faith up there on that roof. Cutting a hole through a stranger's roof, by the way, not recommended. Cutting a hole through a stranger's roof. You have so much faith that Jesus, that, that Jesus can heal this man. You're going to do whatever it takes to get him in front of Jesus. Y'all, your faith is amazing. And he responds to that favorably. My friends, you want friends like this. You want friends like this. You want friends who have so much faith and love you so much, they will do whatever it takes to get you in front of Jesus, even tear a hole through the roof. That would be a great friend, wouldn't it? Y'all, today is our 16th anniversary. Happy 16th. Happy sweet 16th. Yes, great thing, great thing, great thing. Y'all, let's be a church like this, shall we? Let's be a church like this for each other. Let's be a church like this for our friends and our neighbors and our coworkers who don't know Jesus, don't even like Jesus, don't want anything to do with Jesus, but they're hurting and they need something. And we say, I tell you what, I know you don't like Jesus, but here's the deal. I believe he can change your life. I'm going to pray for that. I know you don't like it. I'm not going to force anything on you. I'm just going to pray that Jesus surprises you by doing something in your life that you can't manufacture. Let's just see what he does. Y'all, let us be so committed to Jesus first and to loving one another secondly. We're going to do whatever it takes to get one another in front of Jesus. We've been doing it for 16 years. Let's do it for 60 more and beyond, shall we? Panel three, building our greenhouse for living the supernatural life, faith. Cultivate it. And surround yourself with at least a few people who have it, who have enough faith to lower you on the mat in front of Jesus when you can't get there yourself. Now, 
want to take a little bit extra time on this one because there's a stream of Christianity that talks about how important that faith is so important. In fact, it's the only thing that matters that if you don't experience healing, if you don't see an answer to your prayer, it's because you didn't have enough faith, right? There's sin in your life, not enough faith, those sort of things, right? So I want to address some of those things because I think it's really important. I think the first thing we got to say is that, uh, hey, listen, uh, the first and most important thing is that God is God and we don't control him, right? There's always mystery when it comes to supernatural, we don't manufacture supernatural. It is not all on you to manufacture supernatural. God is God, and there are times when God does not respond to things that we think he should or prayer requests that make sense to us or that if we were God, we would do that, all that kind of thing. And there's, there's just always mystery, right? So God is God. He's not a vending machine, and we don't manufacture or control God, right? So that's step one. Point number two is faith does matter, right? Faith does matter. The scriptures are talked about. Faith does matter. So the important part of what it means to sort of partner with the supernatural and create an environment that's conducive for the supernatural. For some of you, faith comes really naturally. In fact, faith is listed as a gift in, in, one, in one scripture. So some of you have the gift of faith. You just believe. For some of you, faith is like fingernails across a chalkboard. It is so hard for you to believe. And we're so glad you're here. And I so respect the challenge that some of you have. Some of you want to believe. You want to want to believe. You believe some days and some days you're not sure you do. Listen, the Lord knows you. The Lord loves you. The Spirit is upon you. Come and see. Keep, keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. Keep pressing in. I pray, this is a, I pray this is a place for people who struggle to believe, to know you're loved and accepted, and to know the love of Jesus, right? Now, whether faith comes naturally or it doesn't come especially naturally, all of us can cultivate faith. Prayer, Scripture, come into worship. Spending the time, reading books, study, podcasts. There's all kinds of ways to build and cultivate your faith. So yes, we should cultivate faith. So one, we don't control God. God, God is not kind of manufactured or, 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 or like at our beck and call. We don't have to jump through the right hoops and say all the right magic words in the right way to get God to do the thing. Or we, have, we don't have to kind of drum up enough faith to make things happen. God is still God. God's always God. Two, faith does matter. And three, sometimes Jesus heals for the person who has no faith. Because sometimes he touches dead people and raises them. And a dead person, last time I checked, can't have faith. In fact, at one point, Jesus is headed to follow a dad to heal his daughter who's very sick. And servants come along and the servants say to, say to, say to the father, uh, your daughter is dead. They said, why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, don't be afraid, just what? Just believe. See, nobody actually believes that Jesus can raise the daughter from the dead. So Jesus tries to stoke up a little bit of faith in the dad. When Jesus gets there, there's a crowd there at the house, and Jesus says, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. Everyone laughs at him. So you know what Jesus does? He votes him off the island. Get out of the room. Like, they're cynical, they're jaded, right? Get out of the room. So he clears the room, brings Peter, James, and John, his three disciples, mom and dad. That's the only ones in there. They, they kind of sort of believe maybe Jesus can do this. And then there's a dead daughter, touches her hand. Little girl, get up. She sits up. Raises the dead. Faith is an important part. It's not the only part. And sometimes, maybe just like a spiritual gift, sometimes if you don't have faith yourself, sometimes maybe you can borrow it. Surround yourself with people who have it. If some of your best friends are not Jesus followers, if you don't have at least one or two people in your life who are Jesus followers, who are your inner circle, that needs to be like one of the things you do in 2023. Find people who will believe when you can't believe, who will believe when you're on the stretcher, on the mat, and can't get there on your own strength. Find people who will believe for you when your faith is as good as dead. Invite them into your life. See what the Lord might do. Panel three, cultivating our life for 
spiritual living, supernatural living. Surround yourself with people who have it, who believe it, faith. Panel four for greenhousing our life, for spiritual life is consecration. Consecration, this is just finding ways to sort of dedicate ourselves and our lives, setting aside something good for the sake of something better. Dedicating more of our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our bodies, more of the real state in our lives to God and God's purposes in our lives. Fasting is one of the key ways the the scripture talks about, sort of consecration. Uh, Fasting from food is the most common, but it's not the only way. Sometimes in a consecration ceremony in the Old Testament, they would make sacrifices, right? They're not just withholding, they're offering something, they're giving something up, right? They're offering God their best and saying, God, take this and consecrate me through it, prayer, worship, giving up our time into more and more of God's kingdom. So basically, you're, you're withdrawing from the world from something that's good to give yourself more of God, to make yourself more available to God and God's purposes, God's presence, God's work. And one story that we've touched on a couple times throughout the series, we got a couple of these panels coming together, both faith and consecration. This is from Mark chapter 9. The disciples can't drive a demon out of a boy. And Jesus comes along and asks the dad, hey, how long has this boy been like this? And here's what he says from childhood. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for one who Believes, trying to stoke up belief and faith in this man. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Would you, would you repeat that quote with me? I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Again, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. One more time. I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. Literally one of the best prayers in the whole Bible. Jesus heals the boy, and later the disciples ask, why were we failing at this? And Jesus says, well, that kind can only come out by prayer, and some manuscripts add fasting. Some supernatural works of God require prayer and fasting, additional consecration, giving of our hearts and our minds and our spirits and our bodies over to the Lord as we remove ourselves, maybe for just a season, maybe just for a little bit, for the sake of something better. This is part of why I'm getting up earlier in the mornings, giving up sleep, which is very good, by the way for the sake of something better, for the sake of asking the Spirit to do something new here in our community, consecrating myself as best I can in this little small way to ask the Spirit to move in your lives and our community together to release new wine, new gifts. Here's a brief description of what consecration looks like from the, the, work, the book Miracle Work. Consecration refers to the way we dedicate ourselves to the things of God through specific sacrificial acts. The more of ourselves we set apart exclusively for God's use, the larger our capacity to flow in God's supernatural power. Panel four, for building our lives, for living supernaturally. Consecration, developing sort of sacrificial practices that set you apart for God's use. Listen, for most of us, our most important currencies, time, money, appetites. Those are three things. If, you, if you're willing to explore any of those three things, time, money, appetites, in some way, shape, or form, to give them over to the Lord. Say, I'll sort of withhold from something, or I'll give you more of this in some particular way. I'll give you more time. I'll give you more of my money in whatever way she performs. I'm not even talking about for the church. I'm just like, give your money away to a homeless person or finding a ministry somewhere. Like, give it away somewhere else, right? Or, or, or appetites. Like, I'm fasting for food or from something else. Say, I'm going to kind of give these things up to kind of consecrate myself in a particular way. Can you find some small things? Maybe some, again, and some of you have to do is you have to practice at these practices. So to practice at these practices to step in as we learn. What does it mean to kind of give myself more and more over to God's kingdom coming, God's will being done in me and through me? as best I possibly can.
today's wildly important take, and we're going to gather all this up, and again, I'm going to invite you to, uh, to grab the paper version of today's take with, because it's going to be all on one-stop shopping, a one piece of paper on the way out for the week. First off, greenhousing for the supernatural life. We can't control it, but we can create conditions ideal for living supernaturally. Again, God's not like something we can manufacture or manipulate, but we can create space and environments in our own souls, in our hearts, in our homes, our houses, in our workspaces, or whatever, that are, that are ideal, that co cooperate more fully with God's purposes in the world. These uh, First off, framing up the spiritual greenhouse, right? This is sort of patience and persistence, just being patient with it. And remember, it's a process. Sometimes it's a process, often. Sometimes it's a process. Then these four panels. Panel number one for living supernaturally, spiritual authority. Every time God says go, God says no. Opportunity for you to cultivate greater spiritual authority. Panel number two, gifting. Try it. Pray for it. Borrow someone else's. Try a lot of stuff. See what God's gifted you in. Step into it. Practice, practice, practice. Pray for gifts. Pray for God to show you what your gifts are if you're not sure what they are. And then borrow. Because here's the bad news and the good news. None of us have all the gifts. That's why you need the church. None of us have all the gifts. There's going to be a time in your life where you're going to need a spiritual gift you don't have. And if you don't know who to ask... If you don't have anyone in your life that you can go to and say, can I borrow a cup of sugar and a word from the Lord? You could be in trouble. You need the church. Church is a body. Favorite metaphor, right? Interdependent body. We all bring our gifts to the table. We serve each other as best we can, bringing those gifts and love as best we can. Three, faith. Cultivate it. Surround yourself with people who have it. Find ways to develop your faith, cultivate your faith in whatever shape, way, shape, form you can, and then surround yourself. At least have a few key people who have the gift of faith. And fourthly, finally, consecration. Setting, setting yourself apart, finding practices to set you apart for God's particular use. We're going to close out the message this morning, transitioning into communion. But uh, one of the things we always offer during communion is uh, a prayer room. And communion and the prayer room are two great examples of sort of living supernaturally. Taking ordinary things, bringing our stuff, bringing our ordinary bodies and hearts and minds and spirits. Taking ordinary things like bread and, and, and juice and sort of asking the spirit to make them sort of holy and help, help us to be awake and aware. We also always offer uh, the prayer room on communion Sundays. And the prayer room is another opportunity for you to experience the Lord's favor, the Lord's grace, the Lord's sort of supernatural power at work in your life. And I want to share with you briefly a story from a friend of mine, Steve, who had a fantastic experience in a prayer room that literally changed his life. Let's see Steve's story. Hello, I'm here with my friend Steve Wexler to talk a little bit about his experience in a prayer room and how it changed his life. Steve, at a critical point in your life, you went and got prayer from some strangers and it really did change your life. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I live in a little town in Clinton, Connecticut. I was going through a uh, divorce. I lived alone. My wife had uh, left. Um, I was severely depressed. Um, being Jewish, I was concerned uh, about... Uh, taking care of this problem myself, but I realized I could not. Saw an ad in a newspaper for a prayer meeting. Went to this prayer meeting and it changed my life uh, completely. People prayed for me and I found a God that I never experienced before. And things started happening so quickly, even things I didn't even pray about uh, happened. And as a result, uh, my faith grew leaps and bounds. So you're a regular now at our prayer room here. What's that experience like for you? Why do you go to the prayer room here still regularly, all these years later? 
I get prayers answered here. I've had uh, cancer, and uh, they prayed for the cancer to go away, and the cancer did. After five years, it looks like it's going to be in remission. There are other things I pray about, and I get answers to it. Um, it's uh, unbelievable in terms of the experience that I've had, and I certainly would recommend it with anybody to take a chance. I think that they'd be very, very pleased with it. So to people out there who know they need prayer but are a little bit hesitant to go get it, what would you say to them? Be not concerned about the fear itself because everything will work out. If you have faith, which we all do, things will work out for the best. Steve, I appreciate you taking the time to share a little bit of your story with us here. And uh, uh, praise God for the ways he's met you uh, through people praying over you and for you. And uh, our, our prayer is that many other folks will have stories to tell, much like yours, of maybe being surprised by how God meets them as they open themselves up to prayer. That's great. Thank you very much, Alex. I appreciate the opportunity. Steve is uh, here this morning. He can give you some more of the, uh, the details of how the Lord has met him in that prayer time. But as we move to our time of communion, I just want to invite you uh, into the prayer room right over there. Carol's there with the rest of the prayer team. They'll be glad to pray for you and care for you. And again, this is just all part of what it means to live supernaturally, to, to bring uh, our stuff, our bodies, our lives, our problems, our opportunities, our challenges, to have them be intersected by God's grace and mercy, his power, and uh, his provision for us in whatever way that might take. On the night Jesus was betrayed, he provided for us a way to remember what happened on that night and provided a way for us to celebrate his life and his death for us and for our salvation. He took bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Eat this in remembrance of me. He took the cup. He said, this cup is my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. Drink this in remembrance of me. And the night unfolds like a nightmare. He's run through a mock trial, crucified. His friends scatter third day. God raised him from the dead so that every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, so that your sin and my sin, your mistakes and my mistakes, your worst moments and my worst moments don't have the last word over us. The cross does. The blood of Christ washes away our sin. The resurrection invites us into eternal life. So my friends, today we celebrate with communion, celebrating the meal Jesus gave us and the life he led, the led and the death he died and the resurrection that offers us eternal life. We're gonna move now to our time of communion. We've got three stations, two up front, one in the back. Bread is gluten-free, cup is grape juice, so everyone's invited and it's easy for everyone to access. Uh, the prayer room will be open. We're gonna move to a time of singing and worship and whenever you are ready, we're gonna invite you to move to the stations. Would you get the elements and bring them back to your seat and we will eat and drink together. Let me pray for us as we move now to our time of communion. Lord God, thank you for uh, this gift of communion, for taking ordinary things and making them extraordinary. We ask now, Holy Spirit, that you would meet us uh, at the communion table, in our seats, in the prayer room, in whatever spot we might need, Lord Jesus. We are opening ourselves up to your supernatural grace and power. So come, Holy Spirit. I pray that you would awaken our hearts and our spirits in this moment, through this meal. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Go to the tables whenever you're ready.
cooperate, don't cooperate, uh, minds and hearts that want to believe. Lord, help us in our unbelief. Help us to overcome these things. Thank you that you meet us right exactly where we are. Thank you that you meet us right where we are with these elements today, this day. We need your grace. We need your forgiveness. We need your mercy. Thank you that you poured out grace and mercy in your body on the cross. And now, Holy Spirit, open us up to these realities ways. Thank you for taking concrete, ordinary things, making them extraordinary to awaken our hearts and our spirits, to invite us into your supernatural grace and mercy. That's what we celebrate here with this meal. We honor you. We bless you. We praise you. Way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper. That is who you are. These elements remind us of that and call us to worship you. So now, Lord Jesus, seal these realities with your spirit and invite us into deeper worship, deeper trust, deeper walk with you. We ask in Jesus' strong mighty name. Amen. 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 